Well, like I said, we're gonna be looking at the book of Romans. We've been looking at the book of Romans. If you don't know Christian, uh, Christian Burkhart is, uh, is a pastor here at Cornerstone. He gives a lot of oversight to just how we equip and we train and engage. Uh, um, anything that comes across as intelligent, he probably had his hands on it <laughs> in some way, which I so appreciate about him making the rest of us not look stupid. Um, but I, I think like what's been so fun, what, what year did you start on my youth staff? Oh gosh, that would have been, I think, 2004. Yeah, oh my gosh. So about yeah. 16 years or so we've yeah. been uh, hanging out. It's been so much fun to get to know him. But yeah. we're going to be unpacking the book of Romans. We're going to specifically kind of look at Romans 8 a lot today mm-hmm. and kind of frame it in and around uh, what God kind of teaches us out of the book of Romans. But I think like one of the things that's so key in looking, this is if, in looking at this is if Paul's after this idea of us having a transformed mind, I think like one of the best ways to understand this is, is in Romans 8 where Paul says that, look, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And I love this part, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. That in other words, those of us that walk in the spirit, minds, our minds are, are, are moved in the correct direction to begin to think through these things. Now, Paul later in Romans 8, if you look at verse 18, he, he, he says this, I consider that the sufferings of this present time, in other words, I want you to think how the spirit thinks now. They're not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us. Now, I love that. Now, I, I wish in some ways we could just stop Seriously. and yeah. just talk about that. But we're going we're gonna to talk more about this idea of brokenness that we started last week. But verse 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Again, I wish we could stop there. <laughs> for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subject, subjected it. Why? Well, it's in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption, obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly await for adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And this explains it. For this is the is hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Now, again, there's so many aspects of this, the the aspect of hope and patience and and waiting on God. But it seems to be Paul's comparison. And we can kind of go back last week a little bit. We kind of started to bring out this idea of brokenness in creation. We kind of looked at it from a a, a big vantage point. But maybe could you... Could you take us down a little bit and kind of explain not only this brokenness of creation, but this brokenness that we find even in ourselves and our bodies, maybe just for a second, yeah, kind of totally. help us get that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say as we, as we talk about that brokenness, I think what you just mentioned about hope, and especially what Paul says at the end of that passage, that we hope for what we don't have yet. That's why we wait for it patiently. And I do think that in, in a time like this and any time, it's a chance to, to reevaluate our hope hmm. and go, is our hope oriented toward the correct thing. Because I don't think that, that um, I think that present faithfulness, knowing how to navigate daily life right now in the midst of whatever situations we're going through, is based upon a vision of the future. It's based upon where we think that we are going or where we, where we hope to head. But I think one of the things that's so powerful in this passage, like we talked about, I loved how you and, and Spencer did that last week of talking about just Sometimes we can just think about uh, uh, moral evil and things that people do that are wrong. And absolutely, the Bible has a ton to say about that. But we just see this pervasive brokenness, this off-kilterness, this bentness in our world and in our bodies. And that's what Paul brings out here. He talks about creation being subjected to futility in a bondage to decay, he says. Mm -hmm. And it's 
hoping for this renewal. It's hoping for this freedom to come. And then he says, we, that's, that's a place where we, as human beings, resonate with the rest of creation in longing for redemption, longing for a change, he says. He says, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Mm. One of the things to, to know how to navigate this time and this place well we have to keep in mind this idea we're not okay the way we are right now. Yeah, yeah. There is a redemption, there is a change that we are, we are longing for. Not just in the world around us, not just in government systems around us, not just if those people over there could do things differently, but inwardly, ourselves, things are not right and need change. Yeah, you know? I think, man, that, but that is like one of those things I feel like right now everybody sees what's wrong with everything else. Yeah. And in some ways we don't see like that we're wrong, right? You and I, we're, yeah. we're, we're off kilter, we're, we're skewed, we're twisted, you know, because of, of the fall. And I think in that it's, 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 it's huge where I think like, uh, I remember you, you just sent me something just a little while ago where we just, we don't work in the way we yeah. were intended. Like yeah. there was, a, we can, and we can feel it. We can sense it right now. Mm-hmm. And I would say this like on all levels, it yeah. seems, wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I do. I think that if, if, if you had to boil down what it is that, w- that is creating so much heightened, heightened tension in our world around the coronavirus epidemic right now, it's, it's these two things that Paul talks about in Romans 8 coming head to head. We see a brokenness in creation and we see a brokenness in our bodies in, in who we are. And both of those create this intense vulnerability of God made my body with an immune system in some way to combat things like this. But this virus somehow seems to, for a lot of people, get around that. And we just, we, we, this is one where we almost have to sit for a second and realize we can't escape. We can't get around the idea of brokenness right now. Yeah. And I do think that what we, we, what we do as believers is we understand from a passage like Romans 8 that we don't stop at brokenness. We see that our God is able to redeem and heal and change. But we also see that, that according to the biblical story, according to Genesis 3, the root cause of all of the brokenness that we see, the root cause of the brokenness in our creation, the root cause of the brokenness internally within us, it all stems from that choice that our first parents made and that we all have made to to take the world that God's given us, to take the bodies that God's given us and say, you know what? I think we have a better idea of how to use it than you do, God. Let's do this our own way. And that rebellion, that that independent streak that runs deeply in all of us, the Bible says is the the root cause of all the brokenness that we see. Yeah, which means our biggest problem is not COVID-19. Our biggest problem in the world, which we have the answer for in Jesus, and I would just say this to all of us, when people ask, is there a cure to this? The answer is yes, Amen. right? Yeah. And I, I just, I was thinking about like, on one end, I was disappointed maybe that we're not going to have like our big Easter's like we normally have, but like regardless of how we meet, man, the solution is found in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Amen. and all this. We have that, that particular solution, which is awesome. Yeah, man. I, I love the, the story of the, the paralyzed man who's friends with, you know, bring, bring him to Jesus and they can't get in, so they carve a hole in the roof and lower the guy down. And the way that Jesus looks at this guy and everyone in the room knows he's come to be healed of his paralysis. And he looks at him and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Hmm. There's a bigger problem beyond the health issue that you're wrestling with. But he doesn't leave it at that. Then he follows up and he says, so that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, take up your mat and walk. This is your biggest problem. 
He can, he can fix the root, he can heal the root issue and the systemic issues yeah. that come from it too. Which yeah. is amazing, right? We have so that, that message. And so here's, here's what I wanna do for all of you. I wanna give you some time just to think about that. Is that I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you a, a couple of questions and, and we'll put them up on the screen, except maybe we won't. I don't know where they are. Anyways, I think they'll be up there, which will be awesome. Right here. Okay, there they are, <laughs> right behind me. But we're gonna, we're gonna ask it from this way is that number one, how have you seen brokenness in your current situation, our current situation, both brokenness in creation, but let me just say this, maybe where have you seen brokenness in yourself? I know my family's battled through all kinds of things like just uh, issues in and around fear in regard to the economy, um, seeing brokenness in that, brokenness in our loneliness, our longing for relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though my wife and I are phenomenal parents, I don't know why our children <laughs> would want more. <laughs> <laughs> But there's just a brokenness there. But even too, I think like what Spencer and I started last week, how is the biblical story good news for our current brokenness? Yeah. So just maybe for the next five to seven minutes, if you're with your family, with your friends, maybe you're on Zoom, why don't you have a discussion around these two questions?
All right, well, uh, just so you know, uh, uh, last week, several people said, five minutes, are you kidding me? How do you start having these conversations? Well, I think that's the key to this, is we're only starting to have this conversation. And so just know, you, you can come back to this, keep having these discussions throughout the week when we yeah. do our roundtables, and even when we have our devotionals in the morning, I hope you just enjoyed this week hanging out with both Terry and Chris, is that it's just, we're just trying to have a discussion that keeps moving. We're not gonna solve the problem of evil and the reality of, of a fallen world and brokenness all in a few discussions. We just wanna start it, start it out. And so, but he, here's where we landed um, Thursday, which was yeah. so interesting, after Spencer and I and Christian finished um, having a discussion uh, uh, with all of you, we, we asked ourselves this question, is it that we're more vulnerable now? In other words, that I, I think there's just a fear right now that people feel that, man, we're just vulnerable in all these kinds of yeah, areas risk, and yeah. facets of yeah. life, right? And we're, we're kind of, that's kind of what scares us. So the question that came up that we were talking about is, is are we more vulnerable or are we just more aware of our vulnerability, right? That's kind of where we're at. So let me just, I'll just, just for fun, I'm going to kick it to you. Like, yeah. where did you actually land on it, on, on where everything is? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think that as you look across the boards, I think there are so many ways in which what started as a health, health crisis is now an economic crisis, is now a, a social crisis. How do we get by when we can't gather? And it's a compound issue. Um, and has this actually made us less safe or has it just maybe dispelled the illusion of safety, the, the illusion of, of uh, security in that way? And I, I really do think we're just more aware. Yeah. I really do think we just have, have an awareness that, oh my gosh, this is more tenuous. This is more fragile than we thought. We know of a threat right in front of us right now. But we also don't know the threats we don't know about. You That's know right. I mean? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree with that. I think that ultimately in my own actual wrestle and thinking through this, and this is what I mean about having the Spirit of God help us to think rightly through this. It's not as if all of a sudden we became more vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. We have always, since the fall, lived in a position of vulnerability, yeah. right? It is that there's these moments every once in a while where God just pulls back the blinders of our eyes for just a second yeah. and shows us the vulnerability that we're, we're in apart from him, our need of him, our, our dependence upon him, our uh -huh. desperation for him. And so, yeah, I, okay, good. Yeah. So that we're not going to have an argument in front of everybody on the camera. That's no, positive. And, and I think that that's actually, that's, I think it'd be good for us to pause for a second and just recognize the goodness, the kindness of God. Amen in showing us, in dispelling some of our illusions of control. It's so funny, I've been thinking about one of my favorite movies when I was a kid was Jurassic Park. <laughs> and you know, at first it's this cool amusement park with the dinosaurs in the cages and you can go feed them and stuff. And then it all goes crazy. And then there's the point where the, the old man and the lady, they're sitting there eating all the ice cream that's melting because the power turned off in the kitchen. And he's talking about, okay, we could, he's already planning for how to do it again. Take two, let's do it again. And he says, when we have control of this thing, and then Laura Dern's character yeah. goes, you never had control. That's the illusion. The, the, the illusion in the whole thing is the illusion of control. Yeah. So, so let's, let's explore that just a little bit. Like, so in James 4, yeah. and, and just we, you and I were kind of talking about this this week. It's just, he says in there, come you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there, trade, make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a time and then vanishes. And I love verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And it just seems to be that potentially what's being revealed to us is we honestly in the back of our heads think we're in control. Yeah. 
I mean, would that be a fair kind of assessment from your perspective? Yeah, and I, and I think the thing that I love about this passage is that this passage, at least as far as we can tell, there, there, there's not a crisis in the background of this. This is just saying, hey, you're making plans for the future. One of the things that's been fun in this time is when we, we talk to friends and we're trying to set up like a FaceTime call or a Zoom call, and we're like, hey, when are you guys free? And people say, we're free all the time. Everything's been canceled, right? Like we, we, we've realized that, that the plans we make are always in pencil, even when we write them, write them in pen. And I think that's what he says here. He's like, this new crisis that we're facing right now with the, with the epidemic has just shown us what verse 14 says. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. And that is true all the time, yeah. not just in times like this. But I do think that times like this allow us to step back, re-examine how much control we actually ever had, yeah. recognize the, the, the vulnerability that we were always living in, even when we felt safe and secure in our own ability to stock our houses with toilet paper and so forth. But I love what he says at the end there. He says, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Yeah. And I don't think that that's a um, secret, mystical, let me go to the top of a mountain to find out God's will. I think it's really just, there's a life orientation in verse 15 of saying, am I living each day saying, not what do I want to do with my life and my family and my job, but Lord, what would you have me do? How do I follow you and seek your will. If the fundamental problem at the root of all of this was humanity and Adam and Eve saying, forget you, God, we want to do our own thing, then the way in which we participate in the writing of what's wrong is by no longer saying, I want to do my own thing, but instead, Lord, what would you have me do? Yeah, I think which brings us to the point then, and I, I think this is also crucial as we walk this through, is that God is doing something right now. Yeah. And we have this tendency to think that God is kind of coming along with us when opposed, God is calling us to come and to join him in what yeah. he's doing, which probably means that if this is true and there's a control issue, I think there's need of repentance yes. right now. I think repentance on all kinds of levels, just in the way that like, not only have we have rejected so many aspects of joining God in what he's doing, but we've then replaced it almost like a Jeremiah 2. We've replaced it with something else that's over yeah. here, yeah. and we've turned and poured our lives into all these other things, all the while God is calling us to join him, which it just seems if now is a time to see our need for repentance again, yeah. I think now is a great time to go, oh my gosh, we did have lives that were out of kilter with yeah. what God's doing. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I, and I think that Oftentimes, the things that we devote our lives to aren't necessarily even bad in and of themselves. We totally. devote our lives to a family or to a career or to having a nice home or things like that. And none of those things are bad, but I love the way that Tim Keller, a pastor in New York City, puts it where he says, anytime you take a good thing and you make it the ultimate thing, it becomes a bad thing. Yeah. It, it's, it's not meant to be the center of your life. Yeah. We, it's funny. We, we prayed for the longest time that we'd slow down. And God slowed us down. We'd pray we'd have more time to spend with our families yeah. and God gave us more time, right? Yeah. In other words, it's not that, it's not that we, it, those things that we were doing were wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just, you're right, man. We, to use his term, we, we made it the ultimate thing. And you use a word that, that we use a lot and the, and the Bible uses it a lot. It can kind of, kind of be a churchy word of, of repent. Yeah, why don't you unpack that just for okay. a second before we give them their next question? Yeah, totally. So, like, the idea of repent, it, it's a, it's a, it's, it can be loaded with a lot of religious connotation, but basically it just means to make a U-turn. You realize you're going in the wrong direction. You realize you're aimed at the wrong target. And so you turn and you head in a different way. It's always a two-part thing. It involves both turning and refocusing or, re, or, or trusting and, and placing your life in a different place. Um, and I think that right now, at any time, um, this has exposed to us 
that all of us are always just a mere breath away from standing before our maker. Hmm. And so whether you're someone who's watching this who would call yourself a follower of Jesus, or you're someone who you're still on the fence or not sure, do not miss the opportunity in the midst of the scariness and the threats and the, the, the need to pray and depend upon God. Don't miss the opportunity to ask yourself that question. Is my life focused on the right thing? Or is, is this an opportunity for me to repent and refocus and turn and say, if the Lord wills, how do I seek his will first in my life, yeah. not my own? So this is what we're going to do. We're going to turn you loose now for another couple questions. Uh, do you agree with the idea? Um, if you don't agree with the idea, then you're, not, you're wrong. No, no. <laughs> do you agree with the idea? But then second, how has this present crisis confronted you with your need to repent or to regularly, and I, and I love this, practice repentance, because I really do believe, my hope is, is that this doesn't lead to us needing to think about repenting for the big things, but I think on a daily basis, if we're going to not live in the flesh, Romans 8, but live according to the Spirit, we need to practice this in an ongoing way. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to turn you loose for the next five minutes as a family or friends to continue the conversation together.
All right, so if you're like me, uh, the natural question I think that would be in the back of your head is, okay, so there's these things that God is calling us to turn from, but maybe what are we supposed to turn to? I remember when you preached a sermon probably like a year or two ago, mm-hmm. I don't remember when it was, but you talked about it not being two separate realities of, <clears throat> of turning from one to the other, but actually just one reality of turning from one thing to the other is actually one big movement. Yeah, one and so movement. How, what would you say then, especially out of Romans 8, because that's where we are here, is we found out that this world's in decay, our bodies are in decay, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Um, <clears throat> so, so where do we find our security without being kind of trite, weird, you know, uh, monotone Christians and how we do this? Like, what is it? Where do we find our security? Maybe just throw that at you. What we turn to. Yeah, because I, I think it is a, it, it, there's, it's a corresponding reality. We talked in the last section about, like, we may or may not be more vulnerable in this situation, but we're definitely more aware of our vulnerability. Completely. The thing that's not as much on our radar that I think that we as followers of Jesus need to remind one another of is that we are no less secure in God's hands right now than we were a couple months ago, a couple months ago or that we will be in the future. I mean, that doesn't mean that we're promised smooth sailing. It doesn't mean that we're promised that life is going to go easy and that we'll be spared suffering or hardship or losing houses or losing jobs or any of those things. But it means that none of those can fundamentally shake our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Or the future hope. That's why we, when we started in Romans 8, we talked about this hope that we wait for because we haven't received it yet. Our creation is still groaning in the pains of childbirth and we too are groaning because we're not done yet. Yeah. We're, this, this renewal isn't complete yet but it is absolutely guaranteed. I love what Paul says in Philippians 1.6, where he says, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. <laughs> like that's the place where we find our security is that ultimately God will restore and rebuild and make new. Yeah. But that security is only found in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I think it's those promises, right? Like I think, and I don't know how much you all might have talked through this idea of just the, the turning from these things which are not the promises of God to the promises of God. But yeah. in the book of Romans, right, uh, later on in 831, there's a promise that he who is for, if he's for us, like who, who, can, yeah. who can honestly be against this, yeah. right? And even like one of them that's captured my mind lately is in Romans 13, 1, where mm. You know, he's talking about submitting yourselves to government later on in verse four. He talks about it being a good thing because they have the sword, right? They do it for our good, not for our harm. Yeah. And, but then he says in there why we're supposed to do it, right? And we're also, I, I hear some people so worried about government and control and overreaching yeah. our lives and forget that God is the authority. Amen. Right? There's a promise there that I think is so crucial that we can put our security not in governments or governmental systems, but in the God who oversees all Absolutely. these governmental systems, which... I think it's just a natural reality that brings us to it in, in Romans 8, 35 through 39. And maybe yeah. if I can just read that, and I'd love to kind of draw out of you some of your thoughts in regard totally. to it. Again, just to get back to it. Okay, where do we find our security? How do we think rightly in this time? How do we think like the spirit wants us to think, not like the flesh calls us to think? Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And maybe just frame this out of Paul. Like maybe yeah. just take for a second, help us understand Paul, because I think sometimes we just make this about me not losing my salvation. But I think, I think he's talking about something way bigger than that. Oh, yeah, I agree. I, I think that and when you look at what the, earlier in chapter 8, what he says about our present sufferings not being worth comparing to the glory that yes. will be revealed, and now he's talking about sufferings, you can't read about Paul's life and not realize this dude had a day-to-day -day relationship with suffering. That's right. He, he had no illusions that following Jesus would bring about his best life now. It would bring about his best life one day. Absolutely. Yeah. But he was acquainted with sufferings. And, and again, if you're a follower of Jesus, we are following a man who was acquainted with suffering and grief. Jesus Christ was mistreated and abused and suffered to a greater extent than any of us I think will ever begin to wrap our heads around. And so when he says to us in the book of John that in this world we will have troubles, but take heart because I've overcome the world, we have to remember, again, following Jesus is not the promise of an easy life. That's right. Quite the opposite. It's the promise that, look, look, our world and our bodies are in need of redemption and it's gonna be a bumpy, hard ride until then. But no matter what comes, we are unshakably secure in our Father's hand. And that future hope is sure. So, so in that way, we can go into a situation like this and not be cavalier, not be flippant, not That's be right. naive and think I can put a cape on my back and go where even doctors are saying not to go right now and right. somehow work out this, this redemption on our own. But it also means I don't bubble wrap my family and hermetically seal my house. Like, <laughs> let's understand, in this world we will have trouble, but neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation or death or life can separate us from God because Jesus Christ died and walked out the other side of death. Amen. He is the victor over death, which is why if you're not looking forward to Easter Sunday, you ought to be. This is the biggest day of the year for us as Christians. I know we spend more money at Christmas time. But Easter is the biggest time of the year because it's when we remember that our Savior, the one that we've hung our entire hope on, beat death. Amen. So come what may, we can follow him. Amen. And so let me draw this to a close for all of us. I, I, I love how, and I say this all the time about Romans, it was a missionary letter. Yeah. Paul had a big, giant plan here. He wanted to get to Spain. But he knew that the, the believers that he was going to go be amongst, they were off. They, they're like us. Like yeah. every single follower of Jesus throughout time, we've, we haven't thought rightly through things. But let me just say this. In the first section we talked about, we have to identify that. We need to see it for what it is. We need to see then also this time is exposed that we have placed our security and our confidence in things that we shouldn't, and we need to repent. Yeah. But out of that repentance, as we turn ourselves to find our confidence and our security in the unshakable God, mm -hmm. we can now join him in what he's doing. Yes. I don't want this now just to be a hunker down, okay, God's got us until this thing's over yeah. and we can go back to the way things used to be. I don't want to fully go back to the way things used to be. I want to be transformed and changed. And I, I was thinking about this verse in regard to, to just this idea of what does it mean? What's the safest place for me and my family to be during this time? In Matthew 28, he finished this way. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, that's a huge yes. statement. All authority, he's king. He's in charge of all things. Therefore, he says, I, as you're going, I, I want you to do something. 
If you're stuck in your homes and all you can do is do social media, and if anybody knows, I hate social media, <laughs> but I've been trying. I've been getting a little better. If you are doing whatever that you are doing, he says, I want you to make disciples of all nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I want you to teach them to obey everything I've commanded to you. Now listen to this last promise. It is in that that we realize, lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. God is with us in this mission. Amen. And so this week, my prayer is, is that we would turn from our confidence and our security in the wrong things and place it in the right things, and that being in Jesus Christ. God bless you all. I'll speak on behalf of Christian. Uh, we love you. Yeah. But Christian, could you pray for us? And we draw to a close. Jesus Christ, these events hit all of us in different ways at different times. I know at times this week I've been filled with optimism and hope at your ability to bring good even out of this. There's been so many times where I've been frustrated because things aren't going the way that they usually have gone in my life. I recognize so often I'm battling with what I thought I controlled that maybe I never controlled in the first place. Lord, I pray for myself, I pray for our, our, our congregation, I pray for our family and friends that may be listening right now or watching along with us. Would you show us how good it is that you can bring good out of even the hardest circumstances? That ultimately this world that is bent and these bodies that are bent, you will make right again one day. Would that unshakable confidence in what you have for us in the future cause us not just to hunker down and wait, as Todd said, but to be motivated and mobilized to love and serve and sacrifice. We follow you, Jesus, because you, being the Son of God, did not stand far off from us. You came near to us in the midst of our sickness and sin and struggle. You bore that on your shoulders and you rose victorious from the grave. We can join you in carrying the struggles of others. We can join you in caring for others, even even in situations where we feel out of control. Lord, would you please let us not just be self-interested in this time. Would you let us not just be interested in our own preservation or wait until this blows over. Would you mightily work through your people? You said that you would build your church and the gates of Hades would not prevail against it. The coronavirus has got nothing against the forces of evil and it will not prevail against your people as we seek to make disciples. So Lord, would you motivate us by your spirit, by your power to share your good news with those around us. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.